Well, good morning. Good to see all of you this morning here at the Oasis. We're glad to have you. We're going to begin a, an eight-week series through the letter of 1 Peter starting today. So if you have your Bibles or your phones and you want to follow along, 1 Peter chapter 1. And for our, the sake of our message this morning, I want to zero in on verses 3 through 9 this morning of 1 Peter chapter 1. In fact, I'd like you to follow along as I read these verses this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy he gave us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is, into an inheritance imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, it is reserved in heaven for you who by God's power are protected through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This brings you great joy, although you may have to suffer for a short time in various trials. Such trials show the proven character of your faith, which is much more valuable than gold, gold that is tested by fire even though it is passing away and will bring praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You have not seen him, but you love him. You do not see him now, but you believe in him, and so you rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy because you are attaining the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter wants to talk to us this morning about hope. And we've said this before, biblical hope, hope that is defined in the Bible by God is different than the way we use the word hope in our English language or in our world today. So let's start there. Those who use the word hope in the world today are speaking about something that they wish happens, something that they may even long or desire to happen, but they have no guarantee of it, okay? I hope so. When the Bible uses the word hope, when God uses the word hope, it is something that we can be absolutely sure and certain about. It is something that we can live with confidence with because God has said, this is what will happen or this is what I will do. And so our hope, as we've even sung about this morning, is in God and therefore we look forward with confident expectation, if you will, and anticipation to what God has said he will do in the moment or he's going to do in the future. So it really is building in our lives this confident living. And hope is so needed today. Even amongst those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, hope is waning. Hope is weak, and God wants hope to be high in our lives. That's part of the reason why we look around and we see such destruction of people's lives today. And why we see such hopelessness, because without God you and I would have no guarantee about the things that we're going to have to navigate in this life and how to navigate those things. And to have no confidence as we approach life at all because there's no guarantees now. And certainly then as we look ahead to the future, there's no guarantees of our future without God and our belief in God. 
So you, you understand we're living in the midst of a world that has no guarantees for the now, no guarantees for the not yet. No wonder there's a lot of hopelessness and a lot of people who don't know how to handle life anymore or even think about their future. God didn't want it to be that way with his people. And so what Peter's going to do today is something very interesting that you and I don't even maybe think about or contemplate a lot, even as Christians, and that is the different sort of tenses to our own salvation, if you will. And notice something here. At the end of verse 9, Peter talks about the salvation of your souls, and we're going to talk about what that is in just a second. But then he also, at the end of verse 5, talks about a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So now and not yet. You and I always need to keep that in mind even with our salvation. There's a now component to our salvation and there's a not yet component to our salvation. Because all that God has promised to those of us who are saved has not yet been fulfilled. It's things that we can confidently, with hope, look forward to, but we haven't experienced those yet. But God says, until you have experienced those, let those be something that encourages you every day and forms one of the foundations of your life. But even in the here and now, I want you to have hope even as you are seeing your soul, in, in a sense, go through the process of salvation, which is what he means at the end of verse 9, the salvation of my soul. I thought salvation just occurred at that moment in time when I, as a Christian, accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I, I asked God to forgive me of my sins, and I threw myself upon the, the mercy of God, and he come into my life, and, and, you know, I was made a new creation. I thought that's when I was saved. Yeah, that, that is when you and I are saved. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we are saved. But, as we've said here many times, that's just the beginning of our journey with God. That what God then wants to begin to do is to save our soul. Again, keep that phrase in mind, the salvation of our souls. You say, well, what, what is that? Well, our soul is who God created each of us to be. It is our God identity, if you will. The, the, the thing that God made us to be, that's our soul. And God wants us then throughout the period of our Christian life on earth to not only discover who he created us to be, but to live that out. God placed all of this potential within each of us and has a plan and purpose and will for us, and that's why he created us a certain way, and he wants us to, to bring that out, if you will, throughout our life. That's the salvation of our soul. And, and Jesus even said, it is possible to gain the whole world and, let, and yet lose our soul, to never find who we really are in God, to, to never know what our identity is that God created us to be, because if we're trying to find ourselves, if you will, through the world, we'll never find it. The only way to discover who God created us to be was obviously in partnership with God, you see. And so that's the now component of our salvation. 
Yes, we are saved the moment we trust Christ as our Savior, but then God wants us to begin, as he says, uh, Paul says in Philippians, to work out our own salvation and to realize that God created us a certain way and planted within us certain things that he wants us to, to come out and to discover and to be all that he created us to be. That's the now component of it, the salvation of our souls. By the way, I, I not only think that you and I as individuals have a soul that God planted within us, I think in his plan, every local church has a soul, if you will, that God has a plan and purpose and will for us as the Oasis Church. And I was very well made aware of that last week because just a couple weeks after we moved into this building and stuff, I just clearly heard God's voice one night he woke me up in the middle of the night and said, Jeff, you need to begin to struggle and prayer and fight for the soul of your church. Amen. Because the enemy doesn't want this church to become who God wants it to be. He wants us to get distracted or fighting amongst each other or, or just not really engaged with him and whatever and get caught up in so many lesser things than the soul of our church. Well, when Peter lobs this out there about the salvation of our souls, he then goes through sort of in these verses this understanding of also what, what sort of takes place around the salvation of our souls, if you will. If you go back up to verse 3, notice the salvation of our souls starts with a new birth. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he gave us new birth. It is a gift from God. And no person can enter into the salvation of our souls unless we first are born again. Born from above, as Jesus says to Nicodemus in John 3. He turns to this religious leader of Israel and he says, you realize, Nicodemus, even you one of the great religious leaders of Israel, you must be born again. You must be born from above. In fact, Jesus said to Nicodemus, if you're not born again, if you're not born of the Spirit, if you're not born from above, you can't even see the kingdom of God, Jesus said. Have you been born anew? Have you went through that new birth, a spiritual birth? Every one of us, obviously, because we're here, we've been born physically, but Jesus says in order to enter into his kingdom and to begin to see the salvation of our souls, we've got to also be born from above, born spiritually. Have you been born spiritually? Because without that new birth, you'll never discover who God created you to be. That process of the salvation of your souls will never start without the new birth. So that's why Peter mentions that. But then notice, and we sung about this today, that new birth eventually should move us into a living hope. A hope that is alive every day, that I can approach life again with such surety and certainty and confidence, unlike the world because I do have guarantees as a child of God. I do have things that I know for sure, both now and not yet. And Peter wants us to, in a sense, have that hope high in our lives every day because that's part of the new birth, is having that living, alive hope. And Peter says, our hope, the foundation of it, 
is the resurrection and exaltation of our own Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said this living hope was through his resurrection from the dead. If Jesus conquered death, then that proves he is who he claimed to be. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And everything then that he promised us and his followers will certainly come to pass because we have our faith founded on something very sure, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. And Peter even mentions up in verse 11 that the prophets talked about, first of all, the sufferings appointed for Christ and his subsequent glory. Why is he zeroing on that? Because he's saying, you and I have to realize something. In the now, while we're going through the process of the salvation of our souls, we're going to have to go through some suffering because Jesus did. It's suffering first, then glory. It is the cross, then the crown. And so often, even as followers of Jesus Christ, one of the reasons why our hope starts to wane, why we start to get disillusioned and discouraged and, and filled with despair in this life is when we have to suffer or when we have to go through some pain or trial or tribulation. And yet the Bible clearly teaches in the now, while our soul is being saved, if you will, while we are discovering and realizing who God created us to be, that God can do that even in the less than optimum circumstances that you and I find ourselves here on earth. That doesn't limit God. In fact, that actually enables God to begin to show us who we really are instead of somehow detracting from it. So that's why, if you notice then, back in verse 6 of chapter 1, Peter says, when you and I carry this living hope with us, even in the now, while our souls are being saved, while we're realizing who God created us to be and we're living that out, he says, you may have to suffer for a short time in various trials. <laughs> that's part of it. In fact, that is something that is sort of built into living on this earth and living in these earthly bodies and all of that is we will have to go through pain, trial, tribulation, and suffering. Paul says to the Philippians, it has been granted to us not only to believe in him, Jesus Christ, but also to suffer for his sake. Philippians 1.29. Jesus even told his own followers, John 16, in the world you will have trouble and suffering. But then he says, be of great courage, I have overcome the world. <laughs> you see, we have to realize that the kind of hope that God wants to plant in our lives as his followers should not start to wane whenever we go through various trials. That actually, notice what he goes on to say, verse 7. Such trials actually show the proven character or the authenticity or genuineness of our faith. Whether it's even there or not and how strong it is. What, what is the quality of our faith? And then he goes on to say, oh, and by the way, this faith, 
This trust, this resting in God, this reliance on God is more valuable than anything on earth, including gold that is even tested. And that's why then he says in verse 6, then even when you and I go through trials as Christians, it should bring us great joy now. In fact, he even says in verse uh, 8, he says that you and I can even now rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. And that's certainly true. Indescribable meaning how can you and I be filled with joy when we're going through trials and tribulation and pain and suffering now? How? How can I be joyful about that? Because I know this. I know that through these trials, the Bible teaches me that my faith has the opportunity to be exercised in God. That, that every trial is an opportunity for me to trust God. And that faith is a muscle, a spiritual muscle, but it's a muscle. And so my faith only grows when it is exercised. If, if I don't get a chance to use my faith, and literally trust God in the midst of something, then my faith will remain very shallow, very weak, very dormant, and it will never grow. So that's why God allows trials into our life, because those are opportunities. And this is why then I can approach the trials that come with such hope, because I know this. I know that then when that trial comes, that God has allowed it and that God is actually using that trial to develop in me and, and who he created me to be and to bring that out. Wow. You see, trials are never meant to define us or defeat us, but to develop us into who God wants us to be. It is an opportunity for us to exercise our faith. Again, faith that it should be the most valuable thing that you and I have in our lives. So again, in the now, yeah, God wants us to learn who we are, who he created us to be. How does he do that? Well, sometimes by allowing trials and tribulation and suffering and pain to come into our lives. But when it does, I can be filled with this inner sense of well-being, this joy, because I know that that means God can use this to make me more like he created me to be. And that this trial was never meant to defeat me or to define me, but to develop me. And so if I come at every negative situation and circumstance in my life from that perspective, if I can have that hope, if I can have that guarantee that nothing in my life that I go through is purposeless, but all of it can be used to develop in me who God created me to be, then I say, bring it on, amen. amen. Which is why Paul said to the Romans, do we not know and have the hope that all things work together for good to those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. All things can work. Not all things are good. That's not what Paul says. Some things are really, really bad. But our great God can work 
and use all those things to develop and save our soul and bring out of us who he created us to be and even show us and others who he created us to be. And in those moments of great trial and tribulation, I have the opportunity and you have the opportunity to trust God, to place our faith in God and realize that this is something that actually is going to benefit me. See, the world doesn't have that kind of hope or guarantee when something bad happens to them, that's the end. <laughs> they throw up their hands and go, what am I going to do? How do I see any good in this at all? Where for you and I as Christians, even the worst things that could ever happen to us on this earth, we don't ever have to look at it that way when our hope is high. We can always approach it as God can use this in my life and I can benefit and profit from this. And maybe even, maybe even, God might even want to use what I'm going through to touch and reach into somebody else's heart and life and bring them either to God or encourage their hope in God as well. Wow. So that's why Peter starts out this great letter by talking about not only the salvation of our souls, the now, part of our salvation, but the living hope that helps us to navigate the here and now no matter what comes our way. But Peter doesn't stop there because he also wants us to carry every day the hope of the not yet to encourage us as well, to always as Christians, yes, be engaged in the here and now, but also always be looking ahead and with confident expectation to the things that God has promised to us that have yet to be fulfilled. Which if you go back then, look at it, at the end of verse 5, that's what Peter means by a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Again, things that God has promised to us, but they haven't happened yet. Well, if the new birth is the way I enter into the salvation of my soul, then how do I enter into this salvation ready to be revealed? Well, one of two ways for us as Christians. At the end of verse 7, he talks about Jesus Christ being revealed to us. And I think one way for us to begin to experience the salvation ready to be revealed is when Jesus comes. That changes everything. That starts in motion, if you will, the last things that God has planned for us on this earth. But there's another way for you and I to experience that salvation ready to be revealed, and that's our departure from this earth. To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Jesus even looked at the thief on the cross and placed his faith in him that day and said, today you will be with me in paradise. So we enter into this salvation ready to be revealed either through the return of Christ or departing from this earth. And just as the salvation of our souls should move us in from our new birth into this living hope, notice what this salvation ready to be revealed after departing from this earth should move us into and will move us into. Verse 4, into an inheritance imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It is reserved in heaven for you. 
Do you realize that because we are a follower of Jesus Christ, that you and I carry the hope every day that God has a portion of his eternal kingdom that he is waiting to give us when we get to heaven? And that as Peter says, unlike things on the earth that go through fads, it's in now, it's not in later, that, that what God's going to give us never is going to go out of style. It's never going to be, wow, that, that was great for the first million years I was here in heaven with you, God, but for the next million years, ah, give me something else. No. And then he says, oh, and by the way, on earth, you know how things wear out and decay and, and you know, don't work as well or whatever after time? He says this, this portion of, of God's eternal kingdom that he's going to give to each one of us as his followers it's never going to decay. It's never going to wear out. That we're going to be able to enjoy whatever God gives to us, again, as much 10 million billion years from now throughout eternity as we will the first day we get there. How cool is that? And Peter says, it is reserved in heaven for you. Just for you. Wow. You mean God's got a part of his eternal kingdom Reserved for me? Yeah. And then Peter goes on to say in verse 5, and by the way, God's going to protect you to make sure that you get there to receive what he has for you. That's pretty cool. Because God is not a God that's going to go up there and start preparing a place for us, as Jesus says in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you, and then give us part of his eternal kingdom, and then somehow lose us along the way and not get us there. Because can I just tell you, God never wastes any time or doesn't do anything that's not going to pan out. God's not about that. So God's not going to give somebody here a part of his eternal kingdom and then somehow make sure that we don't get there. No, Peter says, by God's power, we are protected through faith. And we're going to move from this Salvation ready to be revealed into this wonderful inheritance that God has for us. But I think it gets even better. Peter then just starts to remind us how it builds. What do I mean by that? Well, because we were reminded that the salvation of our souls now, the now part of our salvation, includes verse 7, trials, and verse 6, various trials. But you realize, right, that the salvation ready to be revealed the hope of that is that we are going to a place where there is no more trials. We're going to a place described in Revelation 21.4 where John writes, he will wipe away every tear from their eye and death will not exist anymore, nor mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have ceased to exist. Amen. That's the hope you and I have not only for the now, but for the not yet. That yes, even in the now, even in the yuck of life, God can develop my faith and I can exercise my faith and through the trials of life, I can become who God created me to be. But also every day, I get to wake up as a Christian and I get to look forward to a day where I can, I can see what God has prepared for me and the inheritance that he has reserved for me. And I realize that all the things that I struggle with down here, you know, uh, 
illness and disease and death and trial and tribulation and suffering and pain will one day be no more and they will forever not be a part of our existence as children of God. Well, it gets even better. Because look at verse 8. Peter says, in the now, as our souls are being saved, you do not see him. Speaking of Jesus Christ, the end of verse 7, but you love him. And you do not see him now, but you believe in him. That's faith. But the hope is for every one of us here that has been born again, we will see the face of Jesus Christ one day. I love that verse in 1 John 3, 2, where John says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and all that we will be has not yet been revealed, but we know this, when we see him, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And one day we have the hope of seeing Jesus Christ in all of his glory and standing face to face with the one who loved us so much that he came to this earth to die for us. To see the face of our creator and savior. To touch the face of God. To be embraced by the arms of God. One day, that's the guarantee that you and I have. Well... As Peter's already said, even now, e even in the trials and tribulations of life, Peter says, God can build into us through our hope this indescribable joy. But yet the Bible says, here's something I get to look forward to. Yes, I can have joy now, even on earth, while I'm navigating life and all the things that life brings. But one day, Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy. And one day you and I are going to experience joy like we've never known before because we will literally be in the very presence of God forever and ever. And there will be no joy like that joy. That no matter what, our place looks like and our inheritance looks like the joy of heaven will be God himself being with his people. John writes, the residence of God will now be with man and, and women and God will be with them and they will be with God and God will be their God. God's just going to hunker down with us and just settle in and enjoy eternity with us. That's just, that's the hope that you and I have for the not yet. But I want to share something else with you today that I think is so key in this passage. Because Peter talked about the fact that even now, notice verse 6, even when we have to go through and suffer various trials for a short time, this can bring you great joy now. But don't miss something that Peter says later on in verse 7 in the middle. He says, even though we can be tested now and our faith tested now through the trials of life, one day it will bring praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. What hope is he talking about there? This is the hope he's talking about. You see, Peter's saying, 
When you and I have this living hope alive in us every day as believers in Jesus Christ, whatever situations, whatever trials, whatever pain, whatever suffering we go through, with that hope, I don't have to try to interpret it. I don't have to try to figure it out. I don't have to come to some kind of conclusion about it here and now. In fact, God is basically counseling me, don't do that. Because this is where even as Christians, we can get ourselves into trouble and our thinking and, and our attitude and our perspective can get so skewed. You and I can go through a trial or even we can watch someone else go through a trial especially maybe even a Christian or what we call a lot of times a good person. And immediately we're like, God, why? Why am I going through this? Or why are you allowing them to go through this? And see, when you and I live in this living hope and our hope is high, we start to reject the temptation to try to understand, interpret, figure out, and, and come to some kind of conclusion about the circumstances and situations of not only our life, but other people's lives now. Hope says, wait. <laughs> wait. Now's not the time to try to figure that out because none of us on this side of heaven have the ability to be able to figure it out. Amen. What God is asking us to do now through our faith and hope is just trust him. Just trust him. Not to try to figure it out because when you and I do, when we start to go down that road, here's what happens to us. We start to get filled in our hearts and minds with a lot of despair and discouragement and disillusionment because we're trying as human beings on this side of heaven to figure out stuff that we can't figure out on this side of heaven. Keep your finger in 1 Peter. Go back with me for just a moment to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and let me share a verse that's so important for all of us to really understand today. It's 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. It's in the middle of this great chapter on love, but man, what a power-packed verse this is. And I hope all of us can really grasp this today. Notice what Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. He says, now we see in a mirror indirectly, but then in the salvation ready to be revealed, we will see face to face. Now, he says, I know, you know, in part, but then in the salvation ready to be revealed, I will know what? Fully, just as I have been fully known. See, see here's the thing. Hang in there with me. I'm only going to be a couple more minutes, but this is so important. Some of us have gotten derailed in our life because we were trying to figure out 
our life or other people's lives and the situations in their life and the circumstances and the we were trying to figure those things out and come to some kind of understanding interpretation conclusion about these things now and god is saying to us you as a human being on this side of heaven you don't have the capacity or ability to be able to do that now all you can see is part of it you can't see the whole. You can't see all the other people's lives that I know as God that are being affected by this. You don't see this string over here and how that's going to affect that. And all. You don't have that 50,000-foot perspective. All you and I have is just this little perspective that only gives us part of what's going on and what God is doing through it. And God is saying you and I need to live with the kind of hope every day that one day when we get there, then we'll know everything in full. And I hope that will be an encouragement to you even about your own life. Because so many times as Christians, we make judgments about, well, you know, what, what is my life mattering and whose life am I touching and whatever, and, and God's saying, whoa, 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 you're incapable of coming to those conclusions now. Because none of us know that maybe one person that we impacted went on their way and and now they're impacting other people and whatever, and we lost touch with them, and, and maybe we've maybe even forgotten about them, but they never forgot about us, and that conversation that we had or, or that encouraging word or even that smile or whatever, and they went on their way to make many people uh, in, in, in the kingdom of God, and we don't even realize it. So God is saying, don't try to come to this some kind of evaluation of things on earth now. All we can have is part now. Then in the salvation ready to be revealed, we have the hope and the guarantee that we will see things for what they really are. And we'll have a greater understanding of why did God do this and why did he do that. That's living in hope. So this isn't the end of the message so don't start like packing down and packing up and everything. But I really feel led at this moment to do this. In fact, I've even asked our worship team, don't move yet. Because I don't want people to start getting into that mode just yet. We'll get there in just a moment. I'd like to ask every one of you here, would you just take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes? I think this is so important at this moment for this reason. And the only reason I want to be looking around is because I want you to know that I will pray for you. But I want to just ask right now, is there anyone here this morning that maybe you have been in a bad place in your life, you are in a bad place in your life, because you have tried to interpret come to some kind of conclusion, evaluate your own circumstances of your life or other people's circumstances, and as you've tried to figure that out, your heart and your mind has been filled with despair and discouragement or disillusionment even about God because you have all these questions that cannot be answered now, but you've tried to answer them now, and you have now just realized, maybe for the first time, maybe just been reminded again, I need to release that. 
I need to, through the hope that God gives me, I need to release this until I get to heaven and I see my Jesus and I get there and then I have the hope that I will know much more about that situation than I can now. I just need to release that now. If that is the situation you're in, You've been holding on to something that has just been debilitating to you spiritually and emotionally and maybe even physically, and you need to just right now, in this moment, say, God, in the hope that you are giving me right now that is high in this room, I am releasing that to you. Would you raise your hand? Amen. Hands all over this auditorium. Thank you. Thank you. Just release it. Because what it has done to you, it, it has been a drag on your life because you're trying to figure out something that you and I can't figure out yet. God says, now we know in part, but there will be a day where we will know in full. So through that hope, just release that to God right now. Father, I'm just going to pray for these real quick who've raised their hand and just ask God that they would truly release that to you. That, Lord, even in this moment, their perspective, their attitude would begin to change towards you, maybe towards others. That whatever they have held on to, that they've tried to figure out on their own, they have certainly, through the leading of your spirit today, realized, I can't figure that out now. I've got to have the hope to wait. But I have the guarantee that one day I will see. I will see. I will understand more. And I release it. And God, would you just take this moment in their life and just continue to solidify the hope that you have for them each and every day as they move forward. And God, that as things come up in their life or other people's lives, and really for all of us, God, may we learn the truth of your word that now, no matter how hard we try, we can't understand everything that goes on in this life, only in part, but one day we will understand fully. God, these things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let me close with this. If you go back to 1 Peter, I want you to go all the way to the last chapter of 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 12. Peter says, all that I'm writing to you in this letter, I'm writing to you so that you understand the grace of God that he's giving you. And part of that grace Grace is simply the supernatural enablement, empowerment, resources that God gives us. And one of the keys that Peter's been talking about today is this living hope, living hope I can have for the now and the trials of life now as my soul is being saved and I'm discovering and living out who God created me to be, but also hope for what God has yet to reveal to me and what I have yet to experience, that I can also live in that hope every day. 
Folks, that's the grace of God. That is a resource, that hope of the grace of God. So notice what Peter says in 1 Peter 5.12. Through Silvanus, the guy who's going to Silas to take this message to those he's writing to, he says, whom I know to be a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly in order to encourage you and testify that this, what I've been talking to you about, this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Peter's saying, look, there's a false grace of God, <laughs> or else I wouldn't mention the true grace of God. There, there's a false grace of God that somehow maybe says, I'll lean on God a little bit, I'll, I'll rely, I'll depend upon God a little bit, but I'll also do, I'll do, you know, so much on my own and rely on, no. Peter says, no, the true grace of God is when you and I just totally depend and totally rely on God to bring it about. That's the true grace of God, where we, we can get to a place like we just did where you can just say, I'm just releasing that to God. I'm just resting in God. I'm leaning all my weight on God, and I'm God just going to stand fast in your grace and realize that your grace is enough. Your grace is wonderful. Your grace is amazing. It will give me through hope and through everything else, the joy, all of these great resources you've given me. It is enough for me now, and it's enough to get me to the not yet. So I'm going to invite you to stand. And we're going to close again in prayer, and then we're going to sing about amazing grace. And I pray that as we stand here today, that even in this place that we're standing in this auditorium, that we are making a commitment, a dedication, a devotion to say to God, God, Thank you for the living hope you've given me through the new birth in Jesus Christ. And God, thank you for the grace that you give me. And God, I just pray that I will stand in it every day, that I will sink in it, that I will drown in it, that I will stand under the waterfall of your grace, and that I will live in your grace and live out your grace every day so that I can approach both the now and look forward to the not yet. God, thank you for filling us with hope. God, I sense in this auditorium here this morning that your grace is running deep and your hope is high. And God, I just pray that as we sense that today, that God, we will just lean into you like never before. These things I pray in Jesus' name, amen.